Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. People always think like, oh, they must be spending all this money on marketing. We don't spend a dime on marketing pretty much. It's so much word of mouth and referral Yeah. because I always say nobody really has a good promotional products person that they really like, yeah. right? So if you make them happy, deliver on their first few orders, start showing them some creative new items, giving them new ideas. If somebody comes to them and says, hey, where'd you get those t-shirts for your event? They're for sure going to refer you. And we've built you know, a $5 million business based almost purely on referrals. From 222,000 in sales in 2013 to 5 million in sales in five years, distributor Sobe Promos, based out of Miami, Florida, burst onto the scene in a flash and was honored as one of Inc. Magazine's 500 fastest growing private companies in 2016 and recognized by ASI in 2017 as the fastest growing distributor. The three millennials that lead Sobe, Chris Ferreter, Scott Latimer, and Spencer Kramer have blurred the lines of the traditional supplier-distributor relationship. With their focus on custom work and thanks in large part to their promotional lineage, they excel at direct importing and unique hard-to-find items that can't be easily sourced. Vice President of Business Development Chris Ferreter and I sat down in the press room at the PPAI Expo and riffed about their rocket rise in sales, direct importing, their heritage in the industry, and more. This episode is courtesy of CommonSkew, the effortless business management platform that powers you to process more orders and grow your business. For more information or to start your free trial, visit commonsku.com. And also, you might have heard that registration is now open for our second annual SKU Camp event held in New Orleans at the Ace Hotel. The Ace Hotel is a one-of-a-kind meeting space for a one-of-a-kind meeting. SKU Camp was designed to be the only business planning conference of its type in the industry, a conference that gives you the space, time, and resources to step away from working so hard in your business so that you can work on your business for the future. With speakers like author Mike Michalowicz on the topic of how to grow a colossally successful business and Karen Kopp, chief door opener on the topic of path to the cash, finding revenue faster, just to mention a few. You can learn more at skewcamp.com. Be sure and register soon, though, because we sold out quickly last year and tickets are already flying. And now my conversation with Chris Ferreter of Sobe Promos. Fastest growing company by ASI. Tell me the growth percentage again. Don't quote me on this, but All I right. think it's 453%. 453%. Two years. You're five million gross sales. How long have you been in business? Six years. What's your background? Like, how did you arrive at Sobe? So I studied finance and accounting. I'm a finance and accounting guy. Went to business school at the University of Miami. And one of my classmates is um, Jeff Kramer's son, right? So Jeff Kramer started Bulletline okay. back, way back in the day from you know printing mugs in his garage, built it to, I think, like $80 million in revenue, $90 million in revenue, um, sold it to PCNA in 2006. Right. So here I am, Washington, D.C., big defense contractor, financial planning and analysis for a $31 billion company, thinking I'm the man, but you know I'm slowly starting to realize the corporate ladder just isn't something I'm interested in. So out of the blue... Spencer, who's Jeff's son, um, and my business partner now, and Jeff call me, and they say, hey, you know, we're looking at getting back into the business. Would you have any interest in joining us? And we had done projects on Jeff and Jeff Kramer and sort of the businesses that he built. We used him as like a case study on some of our business projects. Okay. So this is the kind of guy that when he spoke, you know, you'd follow him into war. Um, so I, I talked to Justine, my wife. She was my girlfriend at the time. 
I said, you know, I have this unique opportunity. I think I'm going to take it. And that's how I got into printing pens and T-shirts and bags and those kind of things. So, What did you think of the business before you got into it? I guess I never really had an opinion on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually, I didn't think highly of it, but I, I was intrigued in it because yeah. I knew Jeff, right? So I had met him and, and sort of just realized, wow, this is a very entrepreneurial guy who yeah. built this awesome business that, you know, it intrigued me, right? Yeah. So I didn't have that bad outlook or that bad sort of perspective on yeah. it that some people have. Yeah, good influence. For some reason, I think you do a lot of importing. Do you? We do. I mean, people think we do a lot more than we do. Okay. Uh, we probably do significantly more than your average distributor because of those bullet line influences yeah, and, sure. and those connections. Obviously, everything was imported from China. Um, we maintain those factory contacts, so we can be very competitive on certain bids, right? And mm -hmm. now China's allowing for lower minimums than it used to be. You know, it used to be 10,000 pieces only. Yeah. You know, we've gotten people down to 50, 100 pieces. So it's a huge advantage for us. And we do do, it's probably a 90-10 split, 90 domestic, 10% imported, to be yeah. honest. Is price your UVP? I mean, we can compete there, but it's not what we, that's not what we say is our value proposition, right? Yeah. It's not, I, I don't want to be just a price-based okay. business because okay. yeah. it's not really, it's not. To us, it's not beneficial, right? Because the right. big guys can just chop it down to whatever they want and just bid us out. So our how we try to establish ourselves is a creative, unique, very different way of looking at promotional products, right? Yeah. So we don't lead with pens or notebooks or pad folio. We sell, I mean, I don't think we sell any pens. Not even kidding. I don't think we sell any pens. Wow. Because we say, you know, why don't you give us a shot? Why don't you let us show you some unique, different items that maybe you haven't seen? And we yeah. spend tons of time looking at, I know everybody says this, but we do, we're in retail, looking at retail, looking at social media, what everybody's loving, what everybody's buying right now, right, right. and then figuring out how to make it a promotional product. Back to importing, what are some things you've learned about importing that, um, I mean, you came into the business green, mm -hmm. and suddenly you're in this importing and, 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 and making product in China and bringing it over here, what did you learn about that? Yeah, it's it's a very, it's, it's a lot more complex than probably people think, right, yeah. because you know, you can find the product in China, but people don't realize how much work goes into actually getting the product to the U.S. Um, Give us an example. So let's just say you're buying 10,000 bags, right? Mm -hmm. So here's your price. Okay, 10,000 bags cost a dollar. Mm -hmm. But then you got to realize, so when you go to price to the customer, what you're going to add on, you have to add on tax and duty, right? So you got to go through the, it's called the cross system and figure out the tax and duty on that specific item, which is all based on material um, yeah. and also use. Then you have to contact a bunch of freight forwarders, price out the actual shipping based on the CBMs of what you're selling. Um, so that adds on to the per piece price. Then you get it here, you got to truck it there. You got to have all the customs forms to get it out of customs once it arrives. So it, it's a laborious process and it takes a while to get this stuff done. But I mean, that's probably the biggest learning curve that I had to figure out. I was like, how the hell do you get it from China to here? And what does that add in terms yeah. of pricing? And you might have investment partners, and this might not be a problem, but also typically mm -hmm. with the most distributors, it's a challenge with funding and financing. Yeah, because you're not getting terms from China, right? right. Or you're to compete with the big customers, you're going to have to give them terms, right? Which is to say it's net 30. So yeah. you're going to pay for that product before it leaves China, right? generally. Yeah. So you've paid that whole order up front. It takes 40 days to get it you deliver it 40 days, and then you have to wait 30 days to get paid. Yeah. That's a lot of money to, to Ca put out there. You cash know, flow's to gotta be a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we, you know, we've been lucky that, obviously, you know, we're backed by the sale of Bullet Line, 
Um, so we have the ability to sort of finance customers, which has helped us compete. But yeah, that, that is definitely an issue, even for us. But for the smaller distributor, I can imagine it's a nightmare. What tips do you have for folks that are wanting to import more? Take a shot on it, honestly. I think a lot of people are just afraid of it. Yeah. Um, I think people just sort of think it's this impossible thing to do. But just go out and contact people. The internet has made it significantly easier, right? Yeah. You can find these people. Everybody knows the websites to try and check out. Yeah. And then go to China, visit and, and check out the factory because they're more than willing to host you. Um, and just go see, make sure you know, you're getting the product that they said they're selling to you. And make sure you QC it before it leaves China. Because the last thing you want is a surprise when it gets to the port and it's not what you thought you were getting. Right. And, of course, you had a leg up to some degree because of the relationships that were already there. Correct. Um, doesn't mean it's probably not difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely helped. And we had two people still working for us in China. Okay. So we could QC there before it came out. So. Yeah, that's great. So you have offices in China. Then. We have a Ningbo office that we sold recently. Okay. Um, but we still have employees overseas that we when we have... Yeah, you know, once you start working with certain factories, you can sort of rely on them, right? How many employees do you have? There are 14 of us total. Is your role like primarily sales? Yeah, primarily. I mean, I, we call it VP of business development. So I handle a lo lot of sales, but I also try and handle supplier relationships. Okay. Right. So figuring out new suppliers we can work with, just maintaining those relationships for turnaround times and whatnot. What type of customers do you work with? So it's across the board. We started out really focusing on universities. You know, we do a ton of the big universities. So University of Miami was our first customer. We do large beverage companies, right? So Bacardi, Barefoot Wine. We do AT&T across the country at a decent clip, right? We do, who else? Oh, Metro PCS, the Orange Bowl. I mean, we have, yeah, Children's Foundations. So it's sort yeah. of across the board. It's not really, but what we try and do when we pitch these people is be like, hey, we might not be the guy that's going to do your... 100,000 pens, we can definitely do it, but that's not what's going to set us apart, right? So let's show you 20 items that maybe you haven't seen yet and sell that way. So we're finding that a lot of our buyers are are becoming younger, um, yeah. if that makes sense. You know, so we're targeting mostly millennials, people who want to see something creative and new and unique. And do you have a business partner? I have two, yes. Two, two business partners, right? Yes. Okay. So our CEO, Spencer, is more overarching sort of strategy where we're going with the business for the next... So uh, some odd years. And then my other partner, Scott, is uh, our CFO. So he's a numbers guy. Yeah. CPA, bean counter. What do you enjoy about the business? I really like the creative aspect of it. And I love when you deliver something that is like, you know, that customer's going to love. Yeah. And they yes. get it and they're like, oh, this is sick, you know. Yeah. Um, By the way, that, that very thing, I think that's why people wake up and they're like, I've been doing this for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years because it's you get that kind of a rush and it happens all the time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, and I just love that when, you know, obviously you get the ones where someone's like, wow, this wasn't what I was expecting and those things suck. But yeah, um, when somebody gets that product that you've put in, you know, a month of time on and they get it and they're like, wow, this is amazing. I love, that's what I really love about it. Yeah. Margins healthy? Yeah. Above industry average. Good. So I, would, I kind of would expect it with importing too. Well, yeah, that's where we can make a... I mean, that's where we can make up for some of the orders that we have to go low on to compete because people can't compete with us typically because we're direct importing, right? So we're not using right. a supplier to help us import. Yeah. Do you catch grief from that at all? No, it's, it's funny because, you know, I never thought of this until that counselor article about us being the fastest growing came out and sort of like highlighted that we direct import everything. 
I never thought, you know, everyone talks about suppliers going direct to end users. Right. And I never thought of it the opposite way that maybe suppliers look at it as we're cutting them out. So it's sort of interesting, but no, I mean, catch grief, no. I mean, yeah. it's a competitive advantage, right? Yeah, no, it, um, yeah, it's free market competitive advantage, all yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And we still buy a ton of stuff domestically. Right. So sure. are you not going to work with me because I direct import stuff? That's your call, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. What do you hate about the business? Oh, this is a great question, too. I, I hate... I wish that the business could be less, not necessarily hands-on, but I hate, like, the whole start-to-finish sales process is very tedious, right? So it's, hey, here's my artwork. So now i got to go back. I send you mock-ups. Hey, can you make this quick change? Here you go. Now we're making a quick change, right? Then you're saying, all right, can you price it out? All right, now I want to add this. All right, now I want to add that. And the sales process can just take time and be very time-intensive. Yeah. You know, I wish there was a way to sort of cut that down and make that less uh, less intensive. But, I mean, other than that, I, the other thing that's tough is everything is custom, right? So right. it's not like you're selling tickets where it's a very easy sales process. And then if it's custom and something's wrong with it or you don't like it, you can't return it, yeah. right? So navigating those sort of problems is always something that's not fun, right? But in terms of hate, I mean, I don't think there's... I don't know. I kind of look at everything as a challenge, right? So I don't really yeah. hate anything. I yeah, just cool. things I try to avoid. Yeah. So it's kind of a high-risk business when you're doing that much importing, though, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess. So we, because the turnaround times are longer, there's certain orders where we could go domestic or we could go overseas, and we've taken a lot of risk and said, you know, we're going for it, yeah. um, and we're going to bring this in from overseas and pray we get it out of customs and make that time frame, and you know, that's helped us win a lot of business, to be honest. Yeah. Um, we've had a good track record, knock on wood. Yeah, I mean, I, I could say you could say it's high risk, but it makes it sort of exciting. Yeah, true. Business development. So that's that's your role. How do you get new customers? Web-based leads or to be a million-dollar question? Yeah, people always think like, oh, they must be spending all this money on marketing. We don't spend a dime on marketing, pretty much. It's so much word of mouth and referral. Yeah. Because I always say, nobody really has a good promotional products person that they really like. Yeah. Right. So if you make them happy, deliver on their first few orders start showing them some creative new items, giving them new ideas. If somebody comes to them and says, hey, where'd you get those t-shirts for your event? They're for sure going to refer you. And we've built you know, a $5 million business based almost purely on referrals. You know, I always tell our new salespeople, you'll get to this point, but I don't even leave the office and I have new leads just coming in. I mean, other than that, we do have a web-based system where people can come on and sort of check us out, but it's been primarily word of mouth and referral. How many salespeople? Six, and we're bringing on one more, so there okay. will be seven of us by the end of the month. Very aggressive growth strategy, then. You, you grew in 2016. It was 400-something percent. Over two years, yeah. Okay. And then 2017, what was your growth like there? We did, like, 42%. I think it was, like, 42% around yeah. that number. Okay. okay. You helped us out by being an expert panelist at SKUCon on Sunday. What did you think of that experience? You, you, let, me, let me clarify or let the listeners know. It was the Entrepreneur Jam, where we have three young entrepreneurs that present their business in a five-minute format, and then our expert panelists get a chance to respond to, the, to their business challenges. So the young entrepreneurs say, here's who I am, here's where I'm going with my business, here's what I need help with, and the experts got to respond. What did you think of that experience? Uh, first of all, to clarify for the listeners, Bobby says, expert, I am absolutely <laughs> not an expert. I think... Uh, I think I just happened to be the next guy up or something. Somebody canceled, but uh, <laughs> but to, to those to those young entrepreneurs, yeah, you're no, five million in sales. You're doing importing. You're the expert. Correct. No, I, it was. Uh, I love the experience, right? Because 
a lot of them who got up and had these issues that they shared, first of all, that takes a lot to get up there and yeah, speak dude, in front of 300 people and do that. Right, right. But I've been there, right? So I've been in that exact situation of yeah. them where they're just trying to figure out, you know, and, and it might sound basic to somebody who, you know, you have this issue, like, how do I grow my business, right? People might say, okay, spend money on marketing, but that's not how you grow the business, right? You don't realize what goes into the back end of growing your business and yeah. sort of how you need cash flow to fund that. And I loved it. I mean, the panel was great. I thought the participants were awesome. Uh, I thought there was some good conversation. And I got a lot of feedback from people in the audience who said, you know, Chris, I appreciate you getting up there and, and telling us what you did and just asking me questions about their business, which I thought was cool, you know? Yeah. People, you know, 10, 20 years older than me coming up to me, hey, you know, I have this problem with a client. What do you suggest? So I thought it was awesome. I had a good time. Yeah, good, good. What do you enjoy doing when you're not selling swag? You know, we have two dogs, right? So we spend a lot of time hanging out, running around. One of our dogs, we just got a pool. Uh, we just bought a new house with a pool, so one of our dogs could spend 24 straight hours in the pool. So we're out back, hanging out, barbecuing. Huge football fan, New England Patriots, Miami Hurricanes, anything sports-related, boating, fishing, all that fun stuff. So trying was, to, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Just trying to get outside as much as you can because we are in Miami. Yeah, um, that's right. So we have the benefit of, of avoiding winter. Uh, and we're sitting here in the PPAI press room, and Justine is sitting here and doesn't really want to be on the podcast, <laughs> though. Okay. You want to? Uh, no? <laughs> no. Right. Tell me something about your business that, that – that, might surprise us of our 14 employees one is my wife one is my wife's brother one is my older brother and one is my younger brother all right so um even though we're in miami we have a strong new hampshire influence yeah um, so that might be of surprise to people that's cool and you manage the sales team yes so um my older brother mike is the director of sales so he oversees the sales team and okay. then he and i sort of strategize together and you know, I'll jump in and help out just because I was the one from the start that sort of worked with some of these people. So yeah. if I can help any of our salespeople out, I'm always willing to jump in there. You have sales quotas and goals and things like that? Or? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, we're not, you know, we don't hold people's feet to the fire on them, but yeah. we find that we set some lofty goals each year, and so far we've hit them. So it kind of gives us all, we sort of do like a team goal yeah. and, and sort of drive towards that. One thing I like to ask business owners because it gives us insight into your day. What's on your desk <laughs> right now? Oh, uh, man. Way too much stuff. Um, what isn't on right now, I mean, I have, so this is terrible, but one of the things that I do is I handwrite lists of like activities I got to do. Uh -huh. And then I'll not do them all and just start another list. Uh -huh. So I have like piles of lists of things that I was supposed to do that probably date back to last April or something. Really? They're all still sitting there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then eventually I'll be like, all right, I got to clean this. I just throw them all out. Don't even look <laughs> at them. Um, I couldn't have a list like that because it reminded me how much I didn't get done. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. eventually you just got to get over it and throw it out. Um, I've got all types of samples. I've got... 10 different notebooks that I take to meetings. And what's the toughest project you're working on right now? The toughest project we're yeah. working on, maybe not right now, but we just did one that was, um, there's a big fitness event down in Miami mm -hmm. and their merchandising partner backed out. So they took on the merchandise themselves and it was like, it was all apparel, like really complex designs, custom tagged, poly bagged, and it was over the holidays. So we turned that around and, probably a week it was you know 5,000 pieces but it was m probably 
20 designs. Yeah. And then they called me Friday. So I'm flying out Saturday for SKUCon, right? They right. called me Friday. Hey, Chris, we sold out of everything. We need to do an emergency run. So I was flying out at like 6 in the morning out of Miami. I had blanks delivered to my house that night. Took them. We have this huge Sobe box truck. Took them in the box truck at like 4 in the morning. Left them at our printer. Left the truck there. Got on a flight. Took off. He got them all done and delivered them that day. So Wow. Yeah, that was that was my stress for leading up to Vegas. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming anyways. Yeah, I'm not absolutely. I wouldn't miss you for the ditch world. It. That's awesome. <laughs> What's your favorite project that you've done in the business? I really enjoy this. Pro- so I have one customer basically started a trade show here in Vegas, right? He was bought out by his initial business. He was bought out by Google to compete with PayPal, right, and start Google Wallet. His company became Google Wallet. And in his time, I guess he sort of saw that the model for traditional trade shows was flawed and sort of created this conference for the future of payments, right? How your, how your wallet's going to disappear and how you're going to pay everything electronically and all this stuff that was way over my head. But they do this project every year where they have speakers who come to the show and they print each speaker's caricature on a mug with their logo on the back, right? And they have this guy who's, he's in some like Eastern European country that they keep like top secret that I can never find his contact that does all of these caricatures. So he bangs out 350 caricatures in in a few weeks and then we print them. And when people get them, it's just, they're so happy to get these things, you know? And it's like guys like, you know, Lionel Richie's on it. And I actually got the chance to meet him and he's talking about how he has the mugs at his house. So I think that's a fun project. It's sort of crazy because it's one piece shipped all over the place. But I really enjoy working with them and sort of the creativity that they use to give these speakers who probably get a zillion mugs a year, um, but they hold on to these because it's got their face on it. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Any topic that you we didn't talk about that you wanted to touch on? Anything come to mind? Uh, I guess just touch on is, is urge people to be creative in their thinking. You know, there's so many things that you can pitch besides the traditional promotional products that you're seeing everywhere. And, you know, that's really helped us grow our business into what it mm-hmm. is. And I urge people out there who might be listening to this as distributors and even suppliers to you know, take a shot on some new, different, unique items and yeah. and get product out there that, that we can all get excited about. And yeah. there's certain people that are doing it very well, and I think they're seeing awesome growth rates because of it. Yeah. It's actually never been easier, on one hand, to do business. Yeah. Technology, obviously, has a lot to do with that. Correct. Um, but, yeah, and you're right. And it is changing a lot. Um, and and I, I hear more and more distributors talking about getting outside the catalog box, if you will, of what's yeah. being being sent to them from their top 10 suppliers and some of the best distributors i gather are doing some pretty crazy funky projects oh yeah absolutely i mean we do projects with people who aren't even in the promotional products industry that we just google yeah sure and say hey we're looking to do something really unique for these people and those are the things that people talk about right it's not oh i got these really sick pens that are purple and you know yeah it's um do you know ted church from anthem branding I do not. Okay, Ted's in um, Colorado. He runs a, I want to say 20 to 30 million. I don't know if he publishes his That's numbers, awesome. but okay. yeah, it, it, very eclectic. Uh, does work for MTV and some really high profile with awesome. Google and some high profile brands. But I love what he said. Um, he's been doing this for a long time, but he said he still walks out of meetings and after the handshake and says, you know, to the client, you know, yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll, we'll get that figured out. And walks out and goes, how the hell are we going to pull that off? 
That's yeah. what I always tell our salespeople. I yeah. say, just say yes, and we'll figure it out back yeah. at the office. <laughs> <laughs> when it's new people, when I would onboard, so my backstory is I was a distributor for 25 years. Yeah. I don't know if I told you that. Uh, so um, we did company stores and fulfillment programs, mm-hmm. and I was the CEO for 15, and uh, we were around 10 million in sales. And, and I would tell new employees all the time, I'm like, look, you're not going to get this business for a while, yeah. and you may not ever arrive. It, because it's just a moving target. You'll you'll understand principles, you'll understand concepts, but um, it would help them because they, you know, I learned after years of onboarding people, and they would be so f- beleaguered by this fucking industry, yeah. and overwhelmed. And I'm like, look, I'm I'm. It took me several years, but I was still saying, I think I got this business down now. And, and the next year, hey, I think I got this business <laughs> down. Now. It never ends. Yeah, that's what makes it fun too. Is it's it's ever changing, right? Yeah, it's sort of. I mean, that's what makes makes you competitive is is constantly keeping up with change yeah. and changing yourself and saying you know all right what actually sets me apart and how can i be of value to my clients right because in the end it's your clients needs that are important it's not about you and what you want to do it's yeah. it's what they want right yeah. um and that's sort of that's what i've enjoyed about the ride is and that's what i look forward to at the ride right i'd like to be that 25 30 million dollar yeah. distributor you know as soon as possible and and say look back and say, wow, that was amazing how we got here. Yeah. Last question. You're having coffee with a young entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And they come to you and they're running brand new and they're running 250000 in sales in the business. And they say, Chris, you guys are $5 million. Your growth is phenomenal. What's your advice? It's a tough question because it's broad. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, look, yeah. first year we did $222,000. Yeah. Right? Fast forward five years. And we did $5 million in sales. And that was just grinding, right? We just said, yeah. all right, let's just hit the pavement and we're not going to take no for an answer. Yeah. And if somebody says no, we're going to ask them why and figure out how we correct that. But you just you got to take the punches and go with them and sort of get back and keep fighting, right? And I think it's it's a tough path to take. But if you decided you wanted to start your own business, that's because you know you were up for that challenge. I know it's very cliche to be an entrepreneur nowadays. Everyone wants to be an entrepreneur, but those people that you see on TV or you read about, those people work their asses off to get to that point. Yeah. And that's what you got to realize, right? They might be very famous on social media now or sort of have their own stuff going on that people look up to them, but those guys did exactly what you're doing and worked their asses off to get to that point. Yeah. Chris, thanks for your time today. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening. Thank you.